Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation is building its Do Good Village in Lando Lakes, Florida. It's the first of its kind, a community of 110 homes for the Foundation's program recipients. So together, families can heal. So together, families can help one another. A special place where families know that their neighbors understand and care. Make the Do Good Village the first of many. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T, dot org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier is what Beyonce would be if she was a comic book TV show. From start to finish, you got Virgo energy mixed with Big Dick energy, mixed with Wind Machine energy, mixed with all-female band and dancers, mixed with Yibombay Mixed with cocoa butter and shea butter and jojoba oil. Okay, Marvel, we see you. You know what? Let me stop hyping it up and go ahead and get into the episode. It's your weekly bonus episode of me and you, the Housewives and Marvel 2. Let's do it. Hey, guys. This is the self-proclaimed season ticket holder of pop culture and your mama's favorite black geek. I'm Kendrick, host of the Me and You, the Housewives and Marvel 2 podcast, a podcast that, through my own random and winding rants, discusses everything related to pop culture. Everything from reality TV to the MCU to the DCEU to all of the hot topics being discussed on CNN, NBC, BET, ABC, and 123. Grab your wine glass, sit back, and get ready to cuss and fuss right along with me. Woo! 
before I jump into this episode, let me just, first of all, on my TV in the background, I have the Zemo cut of Zemo dancing on an hour loop. Marvel released it within a few days. Why the hell did it take DC four years to release the Snyder cut? But we got the Zemo cut within a damn week. You know what? DC, you make it so hard to like you. Y'all are so lucky that I love Titans as much as I do. And I love, uh, I, I can't even remember the other day. I'm sure it comes on HBO Max. What's the other show? Whatever it is, I like that too with all the, the ugly looking people. I don't know. Not they're, The actors aren't ugly. You know, they play ugly characters. I, what is the name of that show? I can never remember on this podcast when I want to talk about it. Oh, well. Zemo, <laughs> Zack Snyder cut is a masterpiece, so... I'll I'll forgive them, but we got the Marvel. You just you're so much better at servicing fans than DC is. Oh well, who gives a damn? Let's get into this episode. This is a great episode of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the best one yet. Man, oh man, those scenes with the Dora Milaje. Uh, boy, oh boy. Let's just get into it because if I sit here hyping this up, y'all might end up hating it. I'm hoping y'all have already seen the episode. I'm guessing based on my DMs that I've gotten today. All of y'all have seen the episode because y'all have been going nuts just like my ass was going nuts when I finally saw it. So let's just go ahead and jump into it from the beginning. Keep in mind, last week's episode left us shushooketh with that surprise appearance from AO, IO, however you want to say it. Y'all know I'm country, so I pronounce it like, you know, you know, when you go to the gas station, and you see one of your old high school friends that you haven't seen in years and, you know, you have to call him. You're like, AO, Chris. How your little sister doing? She good? How your mama? You know, Ayo. That's how I say it. So if I don't call her Ayo, you know why. It's Ayo to me. It's going to always be Ayo to me. This week, we pick up with a flashback from Bucky's time in Wakanda. He's sitting around a fire and Ayo is circling around him. This is six years ago. And keep in mind, in the MCU, this is mostly like, right now at least, 2023 2024 something like that wandavision was what a few days after the events of endgame while falcon and the winter soldier is a little more than like half a year afterwards bucky is emotionally asking io if she's about to you know if she's sure about this what she's about to do and she says you know don't worry i'm not gonna let you hurt anyone he starts like visibly getting upset like visibly and then she starts of course reciting those 10 trigger words Obviously, he's super nervous that he isn't uh, free from the brainwashing that Hydra did on him and that he'll ultimately become an assassin again, the assassin winter soldier, after she gets done reciting all the words. Once she gets to the last word, which we all know is freight cart, nothing actually happens. He starts crying and we love to see it. Nothing like a killer crying. I'm telling you, well, maybe that's just me. I don't know. Bucky, you is free. You is smart. You is kind. You is free. Jump back to the present. Io is confronting Bucky about why he freed Zemo in the first place. And he simply says we needed him. She reminds him of all the stuff that the Wakandans have done for him, including the aforementioned brain cleansing. He says that he's grateful, and she reminds him that Zemo, of course, is the one that killed King T'Chaka, a.k.a. T'Challa's daddy. Now, remember, that explosion that happened in Captain America Civil War was because Zemo caused it. That's the reason why T'Challa was able to ascend to the Wakandan throne in the first place. See, everyone thinks that 
all this is just about loss that uh, the actual loss of T'Chaka, I mean, but it's actually, you know, Io reminds them that it's about shame for them as well. They're the people that couldn't even protect their king. Keep in mind, this is why T'Challa in the first place was so, you know, of course he was sad about his dad, but he was the guy, Killmonger in Black Panther, of course, kept reminding him, you were the guy that couldn't even keep your dad safe, you know, yada, yada, yada. So this is a lot more about shame and all these kind of things than we even realized before. Child, Bucket goops the girls and he starts speaking Wakandan, (laughs) but he does so in a very... A very colonial way. <laughs> Let me stop. He says in Wakandan that Zemo is an end to a mean. She lets him know that, you know, you know, you know what? We're giving you eight hours, white wolf, and that's it. So he's got to make the most of his little eight hours because y'all know the door Malaji don't play. Bucky returns to, to the safe space and lets them know about the Wakandans being in Madripoor or whatever the hell they are. They're still in Madripoor, yeah. This is also when they find out that Carly has bombed another like GRC supply location. Remember, the GRC is the Global Repatriation Council that I told y'all to remember because it looks like they're going to play a much bigger role in the MCU going forward. I mean, the rest of the MCU is going to have to deal with the effects of the blip and everybody coming back. You know, they've already, already had to deal with half of the universe being gone, but now for the rest of the time, they actually have to relearn and you know they have to get accustomed to everyone being back so that's the whole purpose of the grc handling all these different things in the background but apparently they're not doing too damn much child let me (laughs) but we're going to be dealing with them a lot going forward so you have to remember them the grc global repatriation council they found out that 11 are injured and three are dead carly is actually getting worse because now she's promising more attacks Zemo is constantly trying to tell them not to see the good in Carly, that she just needs to be sopped. Seeing the good in people is, it's actually what has caused all this shit in the past. And that's why he mentions like, you know, Ultron and all these other different people. And then he mentions the Avengers, of course. Sam wants to stop her peacefully. And Zemo says that anyone with the super soldier serum Basically, you know, after they've taken it, they're on a path to self-destruction and destruction of everything else, too. Bucky said, you know, well, not Steve. And then Zemo said, well, yeah, and there's never been a Steve Rogers, has there? See, he looked right at Sam when he said this shit. Now, that's how you clear a bitch right there. (laughs) That's how you clear a bitch right there. See, they still mad. Everybody mad about Sam giving up that damn shield. Even Zemo, who don't like no damn superheroes or supervillains, none of them, he's still mad about it, too. They shading the hell out of Sam on this damn show. Sam, once again, brings up Donya. Now, keep in mind, Donya is the one that Carly has been grieving since the last episode because she passed away. Sam said that, you know, she must have been this kind of pillar in the community. And then he tries to relate it back to his TT dying when he was a kid. And Bucky starts acting brand new. Bucky, you know what the hell a damn TT is. Quit playing. Quit playing, James. Okay? Listen, I can only speak for the folks I know, the people I grew up with. But everybody I knew growing up had either a TT and auntie, you know, with a name after like auntie Kiki, or, you know, if you grew up like me, you had a baby. No, 
I was not one of Bebe's kids, okay? Before you even ask, I was not a Bebe's kids, but I damn sure acted like one, okay? <laughs> when I did, Bebe took that belt to my ass and wore me out, but that's a, you know, that's a whole nother story. God rest her soul. <laughs> anyway, he talks about the community getting ready to celebrate and uh, basically because everyone loved her as a, I guess, as a figure in the community. Sam has started speaking like directly to my black ass on the show, okay? Because when my baby died, the whole ghetto, <laughs> the whole ghetto, not a piece of the ghetto, the whole ghetto got together at one of the local bars and we drank and cussed and fussed and partied and danced in her honor. So then when we were sad and got tears, you know, we got, we, we got all the tears out, but then like later in life when we were sad and all that kind of stuff, we would think about that week, like that week of party, and then we would be, you know, all good stuff. We only associated with the fun times after that. Zemo grabs like a lot of little Turkish delights, as he calls them, and now they're getting ready to enact a plan. We see the Flag Smashers, just briefly though, as they're listening to like this news coverage all around the world about them, basically. They're like in a, a clearing in the woods somewhere, and they're hearing all about basically their impact across the world, whether it be bad or good. Once again, we cut back to our three male protagonists, I guess we can call them. <laughs> Look, cut to Bucky, Sam, and Zemo. They're going to where Carly was playing soccer with all the kids. I think it was in episode either two or three. Sam heads inside and he's trying to ask all the kids and older women about Donya Madani, but they keep fleeing. Every room he goes into, they go behind closed doors, lock them and everything. They won't tell him a thing. He sees the Flag Smasher logos everywhere though, so he knows he's in the right place. Sam finally gets to a male teacher who, and you know, he asks him about Donya, and he actually refers to her as a refugee. That man got Sam's ass right together. Do you hear me? He said, "We are not refugees. We are internationally displaced persons." See, if you're a refugee, that means that you're seeking refuge, and they don't have anything to seek refuge from see they ain't even got a damn home see they display you know what y'all better say that shit he got sam ass right together and i'm here for it he makes it very clear that they don't trust outsiders sam you know does his you know his best to try to make a deal and stuff like that just like he did with sharon and that man is not interested at all he's saying that you know basically the grc was saying that they could help them too but it's been six months and they haven't done a damn thing for them so they don't trust any kind of outsiders the grc was supposed to i think send more teachers or something they ain't sending no paper towels no coloring books no crayons they ain't sending no damn bonnets for the girls with braids to go to sleep in so they edges stay laid they ain't sent nothing not a damn thing we jumped to back outside Zemo is sitting in the middle of the open area where Carly was playing the football game with the kids. And he's using those Turkish delights that he mentioned earlier to basically lure the kids to him. That, that sounds a little bit like to catch a predator way more than I intended, but y'all know what I mean. Once the kids, you know, they actually start to trust him a little bit. And one of them actually comes up to him to eat the candy. He asks her, you know, do you know who Donya is? And she says, yes. He says he wants to pay his last respects to her. And she tells him basically where the little funeral or memorial is going to be. 
before he goes back over to Bucky and Sam, he tells the kids not to trust them because they're bad men. Now, of course, we know he did this because he wants leverage. He doesn't want them to turn him over to the police or anything like that. He wants them to need him up until the very last minute. So, of course, he doesn't want to be handed back over to the door of Malaje. So, he's just like, look, don't, don't tell them shit. They bad men, avoid them at all costs. You let me know so you good to go, and uh, I'll see you at the funeral. When they get back to the apartment, or the, the safe space, as I called it earlier, Sam starts to tell them why it's so hard to get people to talk about Carly or turn on her. Child, listen, she's doing the Lord's work, basically, with, minus the, the mass murder and the genocide. Just put that aside. Other than that, she's doing the Lord's work. She's the only one that's fighting for the people. The GRC isn't doing a damn thing. Sam has to explain that basically Carly is doing something for the people that they were, you know, all those people that were finally given a chance during what I call the snapping. When all the people were gone, these people actually had a chance at a better life. And now that everyone's back, they have nothing. Bucky says that the ends don't justify the means. But see, Bucky... Carly isn't motivated by the same things. This is actually the perfect segue because I I received a question actually before the episode aired from one of my favorite loyal listeners and supporters, Lily from Seattle. So I'm going to actually throw it to her and then I'm going to address it. Okay, Hendrick, I have a real question. So who are we supposed to be rooting for? I feel like... There's some humanitarian stuff going on with the original Snap because bringing everybody back is really causing like a refugee situation. And also it seems like Carly and her super soldier crew are doing good things too. Like they're trying to help the people who are, were kind of forgotten about who now just came back to earth randomly. Um, and it feels like the good guys and the bad guys are just really blurry. Who are we supposed to root for? Also, what the fuck is a power broker? P.S. I also got that season of Wire vibes from the container dock scene. Bye! Alright, so first things first. I did a little, uh, kind of a briefer on the power broker, I think... Uh, maybe the second episode that I reviewed uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Just to kind of recap for everyone, the power broker in the comics was this guy who basically, I think his name was Curtis Jackson in the comic books, the, the first one at least. There have been a lot of different power brokers. Like at one point, it was a whole organization. Uh, it's been just one solo guy. It's been a mad scientist. It's been all kinds of different people. So we've seen a lot of different iterations. I don't know if we've ever seen a woman be the power broker though. Hmm, hint, hint. But the power broker basically was selling superpowers to people. Like he had the serum, he'd uh, inject them, but most of the time it came with a cost. But he would basically begin kind of like, I think it was something crazy, like 70% of all their earnings they made from being a superhero. That was his cut of it. That was the reason why he was selling these superpowers. But at some point, he actually took the formula himself. It led him down a whole different thing. Like he ended up paralyzed, all kind of stuff. So it was the whole lot of bad shit. Anyway, to address your question... Marvel has always done a very good job, in my opinion, of, you know, with their best villains, at least, 
making us really kind of like sit back and say, hmm, are they your typical bad guy or, you know, like why, basically your question, why am I confused? Why do I feel like it's okay to root for this person? They've done this with Killmonger in Black Panther. They've done this with Thanos in uh, the last two Avengers movies. And now they're doing it with Carly. Carly has a very noble cause. And that's why you can't really, you can't really figure out who to root for because one there's a lot of damn different moving parts on this show you've got Battlestar and John Walker you've got uh, our three male protagonists Zemo uh, Sam and Bucky you've got Sharon doing her own thing and then you've got the Flag Smasher so there's a lot of moving parts everybody kind of seems with the exception of John Walker I don't know what the hell he doing everybody kind of seems to have their own noble missions in mind maybe self-serving but you know, they're all for the greater good. You can't argue the fact that Carly is doing a lot of good in the world. She's just, you know, not going about the best ways of doing it. You know, she's speaking up and doing for the people who've basically been forgotten about. And I mean, you can find that that group in every city of every state of every continent, country, everything. So it's it's very in keeping with Marvel's themes for you not to be able to, you know, exactly just root for the bad guy. Even though you love the hero, the best villains always are conflicting because you always kind of relate or you understand the root cause of what they're doing. Back to Zemo. He finally reveals to the guys that he knows where the funeral is being held for Donya. They looking like Bitch, why you ain't saying nothing? <laughs> Bucky's like, you know, uh, the Dora Milaje is looking for you, so keep talking. Zemo's like, nah, bruh, you'll just turn on me and then go find Carly by yourself. He basically wants a little bit of leverage. Bucky grabs that damn teacup that that man is holding and chunks it halfway across the universe. Sam kind of interjects, though, and then he goes to call Karen. Uh, I was about to say Karen. Ooh, let me, I'm being racist. <laughs> No, it was a slip of the tongue. Don't y'all leave me the hell alone. He goes to call Sharon for a favor. He needs basically a bird's eye view of the camp where the funeral is being held. You know, she has a couple of access to satellites. So, you know, she agrees to help, but she tells him to play this shit out because the power broker is pissed. Oh, is the power broker pissed, Sharon? Are you pissed off? Are you the goddamn power broker? I don't know. We just theorizing. You know us with Mephisto. You know, we don't know who the hell Power Broker is. So we just go, hell, it might be her. It might be a whole new character. It might be the damn uh, man from Captain America that put himself in the computer and Winter Soldier. You never know. It, it might be in the damn body. She says that he's pissed about Nagel, the one they killed last episode. And that, uh, he, you know, he's mad about them being killed. And he's mad about... Carly stealing up all his shit. You know, he's mad about everything, basically. She tells him to simply find Carly and to play this thing all the way out. Next, we see Carly and old boy. The old boy she been with. I don't look. I don't even know that damn man's name. Hold on. Let me look it up on uh, IMDb. Hold, please. Pow! His name is Nico. See, the power of editing, people. The magic of editing. They go to a cemetery and... Actually, maybe this is the memorial that Zemo was talking about in the previous episode. I'm not really sure. They go to a specific, like, tombstone or encasing, whatever you want to call it, memorial, whatever. And they move some bricks around and they get the last of the super soldier serum supply that they have. 
Oh, Lord, say that 15 times fast. Super Soldier Serum Supply and shit. Fuck me. Carly wonders if they're making a, you know, a mistake by making more Super Soldiers. But Nico says, nah, sis, you doing right. Nico, funny enough, mentions that he used to be a Captain America fan as a kid because he made him believe in good people. Child, I, I wonder if he's still, uh, <laughs> still a fan after New Cap was kicking his ass and killing his ass at the end of the episode. That's, I guess, that we'll find that out uh, if they do, a, if they put him on Vormir and we, we get to see him with the damn Red Skull. I don't know. He said he didn't think there uh, could be another one until Carly. Child, even Carly looked at his ass crazy as hell then. But I guess she is like, you know, she's captain some people. So, you know, hell, without her, they'd be dead. <laughs> he even said that what they're doing will supersede the S.H.I.E.L.D.'s legacy. This is when Carly kind of jumps up. You know, she's like, that S.H.I.E.L.D. ain't shit. And just reminds people of, you know, the ones that have been left out. And, you know, the S.H.I.E.L.D. basically should have been destroyed a long time ago. That's why they're relying on these damn serums so much. Cut back to the big three. <laughs> Not the uh, aliens, androids, and wizards. I'm talking about uh, uh, Bucky, Sam, and damn Zemo. New Cap and Battlestar have caught up with them, and they start berating them with all kinds of question, another question, one more question. Bitch, first of all, lower your goddamn tone, okay? Zemo tells them he knows where Carly is, and then he walks off. New captain asks, you know, where is she? He's right, you know, he, oh, it's, it's a whole mess with that damn new cap. He finally tells him, though, that there's going to be a memorial service. They have to convince this damn fool that they need a reason to, uh, you know, they need the reason with her first. But new cap, he wants to go in completely hot and risk everything. Side note, there's one thing happening on this show that annoys the fuck out of me. And it's really a reflection on what black, brown, women, any kind of minority in this country face on a daily basis. And it's a certain type of microaggression that's a particular pet peeve of mine. Sam will explain himself about something, you know, his reasoning as to, you know, why he's going to do something. And then New Cap will turn with his smug ass face. He'll turn to Bucky and he'll be like, you're just going to let him do that. Uh, yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? Now, for those of you who don't know, John Walker was a raging racist in the comics. So, so this actually does track. Sam doesn't need Bucky's approval to do anything in life. And the fact that John Walker keeps like directing these microaggressions towards him and directing his questions afterwards to Bucky is, I don't know. Keep in mind though, it's not lost on me that he's directing his questions at a white man named Bucky when the, you know, historically the term Bucky was always used to describe an African-American who didn't obey their masters. You know, this particular little nugget, actually, of American history was also detailed in the comics, so there's that. So for all you that thought, you know, that I'm batshit crazy for talking about this, it tracks a little bit, so get on board, buckaroo. Sam talks about how his, you know, history of counseling people or veterans who've come home from war, how that'll help him have an open and honest conversation with Carly. Because remember, back in... Uh, Captain America Winter Soldier Captain America Winter Soldier what is wrong with my R's today 
he's talking about, you know, we meet him in the center and he invites Cap down to the VA to talk to the guys. He doesn't. He just comes down there to uh, look at Lou and all that kind of shit. But anyway, John still isn't convinced. But after Battlestar says maybe we should, you know, give it a try, then finally he agrees. Zemo gets the little girl from earlier to then escort them to the memorial. John Walker, a.k.a. New Cap, tells Sam that, you know, he has 10 minutes and then he chains Zemo's ass to the wall. Zemo's like, God damn, I thought we was friends and this motherfucker, you know, (laughs) he didn't know what was about to happen. So he's just sitting there. But don't worry, them handcuffs aren't going to be a problem for him later. Inside. Carly is actually talking to everyone at the private memorial. She's in the center. Everyone is kind of circled around her. And she's, you know, talking about how Mama Danya, what a, a wonderful person she was and how she saved her and how she clothed her, loved her, fed her, you know, et cetera, et cetera. While she's giving this speech about how great of a woman she was, she sees Sam out of the corner of her eye and she starts to panic. But... She continues on with her speech anyway. Outside of the room, John is steadily growing more and more impatient as if he the one currently risking his damn life, child. Finally, Sam and Carly are able to, you know, come face to face and have an open conversation when everyone else is out of the room. He relates to her about her frustrations and her helplessness, you know, yada, yada, yada. He, you know, she kind of tells him, what if I'm making the world a better place? And he's basically telling her, you know, you're no better than the people that are already in power if you keep going about it that same way. They continue this conversation and John is just, you know, he's growing more and more impatient outside the door. John actually starts convincing Bucky that Sam needs their help. And then he says, you don't want his blood on your his blood on your hands, do you? Now, see, that's all it took. You know, Bucky doesn't want any more blood on his hands. Side note. The conversation between Sam and Carly is actually worth a second listen. If you, I don't know if you normally watch the episodes, you know, multiple times like I do. In, pre- in preparation for these bonus episodes that I record, I usually watch the episodes e- at least two times before I record my episode. I always watch it once for pleasure, you know, just as a Marvel fan. And then some other time in the day, I watch it again. Usually again, you know, kind of picking up stuff I definitely want to talk about. You know, I have my my notes section, but I'm not jotting like detailed. The third time, I'm really detailing all my stuff and writing out and then thinking about what I can reference back to and, you know, yanny, yanny, yanny. I say all that to say, this conversation is worth a second listen alone. If this, if this episode is already fantastic for a number of different reasons, but this conversation is actually worth listening to because he makes a lot of good points to her, but he never like truly truly condemns her all the way like you know like as hard as he could because he truly does understand everything that like you know the reasons why she's doing it he's gone and he's talked to a lot of these people and he sees the type of loyalty she's building because all these people are in a much better place because of her it he understands like you know he i don't know it's giving you again like that kind of villain not traditional villain, but a Marvel villain where you kind of sympathize with them. You understand the cause, but you know that they still need to die at some point. You know, kind of that kind of stuff. Hell, Carly is doing more for the, the underappreciated and the undervalued communities than the government ever has, at least that they've seen. She slips up once 
and kind of sounds like a, a, a pseudo psycho terrorist, honestly. But even then, he's only trying to make her understand why everybody isn't championing her cause. One of my favorite podcasters, Pat from the Yet Another MCU podcast, actually has some great thoughts about this scene. Let me throw it over to Pat. Hey, this is Pat Whalen at Yet Another MCU podcast. You can find our episodes on YouTube under Forgotten Entertainment or wherever you get your podcasts and search Yet Another MCU podcast. Uh, my favorite moment in episode four, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, obviously aside from the Dormelage kicking John Walker's butt, was when Sam was talking with Carly. It was an exceptionally understated moment that harkened back to the character's roots and gave Anthony Mackie a great um, thread to work with in this series where he hasn't had much of anything. So that was exciting to see. And while I'm not surprised by John Walker's turn, I just wish we had spent a little bit more time with him and Lamar as good guys. Uh, so the weight of this scene hit a little bit more and the weight of Lamar's death hit a little bit more. Um, but overall, after a slow start, I'm excited to see where Falcon and the Winter Soldier goes into its endgame. Um, but thanks for thanks for letting me send this in. Guys, I love the show and love the content. Keep doing what you're doing. Those are actually some great points for a lot of different reasons. One reason being, I don't know why we couldn't have gotten more than six episodes of this show. I mean, I trust Marvel. They know what they're doing. Maybe six is all we needed. I do enjoy the longer uh televised format than we got with WandaVision, even though I thought WandaVision was as close to perfect as you get. I do love the longer series, but I was hoping, man, it just feels like seven or eight episodes would would just hit home a lot more. But I'm I'm so enjoying the series that I'm not gonna complain too much. I also agree that I feel like we should have flushed out John and uh Battlestar's character a little bit more just because I don't think this is the last we're gonna see of evil cap i think that he's going to end up joining a, a super villain team at some point in the future and we'll probably see him again so i don't know i marvel i trust you let me just keep going because i yeah i, I trust you whatever john walker aka new cap comes in with the rest of the guys and all hell breaks loose carly thinks that sam set her up so everybody basically starts catching hands in this room Carly escapes, but she's ultimately found by Zemo, who manages to escape those cheap-ass Friedrichs of Hollywood-ass handcuffs that she had on, and he shoots her. All of her vials of super soldier serum fall on the floor, and to our surprise, Zemo actually doesn't take one or keep one for himself or whatever. He starts destroying all of them. I guess that shouldn't be much of a surprise to us, though, because Zemo does ultimately hate superpowered beings. He thinks they're, you know, the worst thing that ever happened to the world. So, I mean, I guess he wouldn't want to be one. Just as he crushed almost all of them, New Cap comes in and throws that shield and damn near decapitates poor Zemo. He gonna have a big-ass knot on his head in the fort. You, you listen, that man will have a big-ass knot on his head, but that ain't none of my business. This is when raggedy-ass John Walker, new cap, sees the one vial that's still intact on the floor. And, of course, in true, just terrible person fashion, he grabs it and keeps it for himself. Carly, at a different location, is joined by Nico, and he tells her that all of the super soldier vials have been destroyed. Carly regrets her decisions to not have acted faster immediately. This is when the other guy with the longer hair that's always with Carly... I think his name is Dovich, Dovich, something like that, Dovich. He joins them and he reads a message that they received from the power broker. The message says, you 
playing revolutionary on borrowed time, little girl. I want the serum back or I will find you and I will end you. Carly is, look, she's fighting a lot of battles, okay? <laughs> Not only does she have to deal with new caps bullshit, she also has to worry about the power broker finding her ass and whooping her ass. So they decided that the best course of action is to split the crew in half and to kill new cap. Back at the safe space, Zemo asked Sam if he was ever offered the serum, and he says no. He asked if he was, would you take it? Sam immediately says no. Child, it's funny as hell because Zemo laying on that couch fucked up. <laughs> he asking all these damn questions, but it probably hurt his head to ask him. That man threw that damn shield at him so goddamn hard. See, that man got a migraine that Excedrin, Bayer, Tylenol, Advil, none of this shit can help. That man threw the dog fuck out of that shield at him. He explains to Sam that he can't hold out hope for Carly because of everything that he explained about the super soldiers earlier. And Sam says it's not true because, uh, hello, we're running around with Bucky right now. Bucky comes in and says that something ain't right about John Walker's crazy ass. Suddenly, that man and Battlestar bust into the safe space and they demand Zemo to be arrested. Sam said, look, you don't run shit in here, but your crusty lip having ass mouth. That's it. Right as the caps are about to fight, a spear comes flying across the room and lands in the wall. It's, of course, the Dora Milaje. See, they are ready to take Zemo's ass dead or alive. This is officially one of my like top, I'll say top five favorite scenes in the MCU. Top five off the rip. When I think about great scenes, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a super produced scene, a huge action scene. It just, I don't know, it's something that'll stick with me for a long time. I think about like Captain America and, uh, and Winter Soldier with the elevator, that whole elevator fight scene. I think about Nick Fury's uh, car chase scene in Winter Soldier. I think about like the big battle in Endgame. And now I'm definitely going to think about this. This, I, I had to watch this scene about 15 times today. Everything about this scene was chef's kiss. Amazing. They proceeded to whoop ass, okay? Io and the others wreaked havoc. John was talking all that big shit, but they came and let have. Ayo said to Bucky, even if he is a, inst, a, what, a means to an end, Time's up, and I'm not talking about sexual harassment. She didn't say all that, but y'all know what I'm talking about. John tells them that they don't have jurisdiction uh, there after Sam says, you might want to fight Bucky instead of fighting Adora Milaje. Child, truer words have never been spoken. She said the Dora Milaje have jurisdiction wherever the Dora Milaje finds themselves to be. Now, see, if that ain't some boss shit right there, she said, he says we got off on the wrong foot and he tried to put a hand on that lady's shoulder. Now, see, she slung his ass clean to Timbuktu. I feel like the Dora Milaje, they have something about putting your hands on their shoulders. Remember in Black Panther when uh, Agent Ross went to talk to T'Challa? He was trying to make a deal with him about, uh, I think, taking Claw back to uh, America instead of them taking him to Wakanda. He put his hand on T'Challa's shoulder and Okoye must have looked at him crazy as hell. And she said, if that motherfucker touches you one more time, I'm going to impale him 
to their desk. I know that's right, Okoye. Uh, rule number one, don't touch Adora Milaje on the shoulder. Rule number one. That's, matter of fact, that's rule number one through 19, okay? The best part of this battle, aside from John Walker realizing that he ain't no damn Steve Rogers, is how they did Bucky. Bucky tries to stop them at some point from killing John. And when they're, <laughs> when they're one-on-one, Io does a move on Bucky's shoulder with two fingers and his whole vibranium arm falls the hell off. She was pressing that shoulder bone like she was putting in a secret code to get out of an escape room. I don't know what the fuck she was doing. Bucky had a look on his face so goddamn sad. Like when you accidentally like step on a puppy's tail by accident and they just look at you like, why? Why? <laughs> look, that was a black mother's way of saying, I'll take you in this world. What is I brought you in this world and I'll take you out of it. That's what it was. She says something to him in Wakandan and walks off. She, I think she called him James too. Ooh, we, you know, when somebody, when a woman call you by your first name, uh oh, before they leave, one of the best things about this scene is when one of the Dora Milaje walks over to John Walker, who's struggling to pick up that shield because the spear had impaled it to the table. Impaled, see? He was struggling to pull it out, but she pulls it out with ease. The shield falls on the floor. She steps on it hard, just like Cap used to do, sends it upward, and she catches it in the same way that he did. We love to see it. Look, happy Black History Month. No, I'm just playing. Let me stop. <laughs> Let me stop. Sam is so damn petty. He asks Bucky, did you know they could do that? Bitch, you know damn well if I knew they could do that shit, I wouldn't have let them done it. Hell, if I knew I'd let my damn arm would be attached, now wouldn't it? He reattaches his arms, and we see John Walker sitting on the floor just absolutely defeated. He says, and they weren't even super soldiers. No, they weren't. They were the motherfucking Dora Milaje, okay? And they don't play. We see John Walker and Battlestar in the middle of the, I don't know if it's a mall, or a Madriporian mall or something. I don't know. It looked like they were in the middle of a food court. I don't know. I, I didn't see no Chick-fil-A, but you know. He's signing autographs, but he's still super sad. Just because them folk, you know, had whooped his ass like Debo did Red on Friday. Craig, get up. John asked Battlestar if he had the opportunity to take the serum, would he do it? And he said, hell yeah. See, complete opposite of Sam. When John asked if he'd be worried about, you know, if it would change him or not, you know, if all the side effects, whatever, whatever. John, you know, not John, a Battlestar gives us what I feel is like Falcon and the Winter Soldier's version of that WandaVision line. What is it? What is grief, if not love, persevering? He says power just makes a person more of themselves, right? And then he goes on to mention Carly Morgenthau, Steve Rogers, two opposite ends of the spectrum. Big facts. Big facts, Okay. Then they start talking about their experience in Afghanistan and how John feels like he could have done so much more to, you know, to actually, he could have done more than those like three medals of honor that he had and how he hasn't been sleeping and yada, yada, yada. And Battlestar basically hypes his ass up and says, imagine what all you could have done if you had those serums then and all the lives you could have saved and yada, yada, yada. Well, Congratulations, Battlestar. You just created a, a super terrorist. 
Now he's definitely going to take that damn super soldier serum that he stashed from Zemo's ass earlier in the episode. We then cut back to Louisiana where Sam's sister Sarah is like out on her dock and she gets a call from Carly. She's calling to see if she needs to basically kill Sam or not. You know, is he a trustworthy guy? She thinks that he's working with New Cap now and Sarah's like, ah, ah, wrong. She says, well then, who would you have picked? And Sarah says, you know, basically, listen, <laughs> how do I say this? Sarah says what minorities have been saying for a long time. She's like, look, my world don't matter in America. I don't give a damn about what they're doing over there, okay? <laughs> she basically says she don't give a damn who the mascot is. I know the fuck that's right. That's the definition of, and I, oop. She now knows that she can trust both of them. So she gives Sarah, like, some coordinates of where she wants Sam to meet her. Then she, you know, politely threatens her damn children. Not the little black children. Oh, Lord, not the black children. Sarah calls and tells Sam, you know, and he tells her basically, run, bitch, run. No, just, <laughs> just kidding. No, he uh, basically tells him, you know, get out of harm's way. Don't go back. Only use cash. You know, the good kind of stuff. He then gets the location and then Bucky says, I'm coming with you, even though that lady just said to come along. Now see child, the way they dropped Bucky's whole arm off his body earlier, I wouldn't want his damn help no way. <laughs> Let me stop Bucky. I'm sorry. I know you can't deal with the Dora Milaje just like most of you folk can't. They go and meet her and she tells them basically to just let her go. Stop looking for her. Stop chasing her. Let her go. Meanwhile, new cap is headed to them. Remember, Sharon is tracking all this shit that's going on. All hell breaks loose once they all get in one place. Battlestar is getting beat the fuck up. <laughs> New Cap is looking for Sam and Carly. There's a whole lot going on. We know by this point that he's taking the super soldier serum because he has like Superman super hearing. That, you know how on the Superman shows, Superman just like stops and listens to something and suddenly he know he can hear somebody a thousand miles away oh my god help he stole my purse and then superman flies a thousand miles away just to help somebody get a damn purse child all this shit going on cancer and all this you you know what let me stop anyway bucky and sam are chasing carly it seems at least and they all wind up in the same location we see new cap bend a whole metal pipe so like now sam knows that the man is certifiably crazy unfortunately new cap and sam have to fight the battles the uh, the flag smashers together while Battlestar races against the clock to keep his own set you know keeping himself from i guess catching on fire like they put him in a room tied him up gas is leaking they about to throw a match i don't know what the hell going on and this is when we see they all coming in the same place. Bucky's in a different part of the building, but then he then kind of convenes with all of them in the same room. It's at this point, Battlestar rushes over to tackle Carly to save John from getting his ass whooped. But then she punches him one good time, clean across the room and kills him. Oh boy. Oh boy. What you do that for? That's the last thing Psycho Cap needed. The Flag Smashers, all three of them are all like three, four, however many were in the room. They all flee. John takes a second to get like thoroughly sad and thoroughly pissed off. You know, he's checking on uh, Battlestar to see what's going on. 
and then he does a, a Captain America on the elevator and Winter Soldier shield dive out of the window. When he catches up with Nico, he rips his ass apart. He takes that shield and he hits him. He hits him. He hits him up and down, up and down, hitting him across the face and the chest everywhere, violently building this man until finally blood is everywhere and the man is no longer moving. Straight up murder. I'm glad, though, that I'm not the only one that saw why this scene was particularly important. Yes, of course, it's important because Captain America just killed someone, but it also relates directly back to Captain America Civil War. Katie, one of my favorite listeners, actually sent in a voice message about her thoughts about this entire scene. Hey Kendrick, it's Katie from Kentucky. I just wanted to talk about a couple quick things with fake Captain America. The first being the extreme juxtaposition they did today to show us that this John Clown is not Steve Rogers. He took the super serum and became a full-on psychopath and in that last scene used his shield to kill a guy that idolized the original Captain America, which was just so sad and heartbreaking, but also a complete symbol to show you how bad this guy is because Steve Rogers was in the same position in Civil War with Iron Man and chose not to kill Iron Man. He threw his shield aside. Also, I just want to point out that I'm pretty sure fake Captain America decided to do the super serum because he couldn't handle that the Dormilaji wanted to kick his little ass. And his toxic masculinity was really showing this episode. It's so funny how many direct callbacks we get to those three Captain America movies. This one was straight out of Civil War. When Tony Stark finds out that Bucky killed his parents, it was all out war. They were in there fighting, but of course Steve is sticking up for his best friend Bucky. And when it comes down to it, Steve got Tony on the floor. He did enough damage to stop the cotton, you know, the Iron Man suit from working, but he didn't go as far as to kill Tony like the way we just saw John Walker do. Even when Cap was walking out of the room, he still felt like, you know what, that was way too far, and he dropped the shield on the floor. He left it with Tony. You know, it had the Black Panther marks in it. He left it there, and they flee. They left, never to be seen again until another movie later. <laughs> but still, you get what I'm saying. They, he didn't feel like he was worthy of it. Meanwhile, John Walker just used this entire, quote-unquote, symbol of freedom symbol of american hopes and dreams and all this kind of stuff the the symbol of basically steve rogers used it to kill someone not lost on any of us of course fake ass captain america goes off the rails in the mcu just like he does in the comics when his his parents are killed i think we've all been mostly expecting this to happen even if you're not familiar with the comics, you can tell by the way that the character has been developing episode after episode that he's really, really, really kind of clinging to power like it's going out of style. He's not, he like, now he's like violently angry when his authority is questioned or his authority is opposed. With that being said, though, the world is watching, which is actually what I think the episode is titled. 
which is also <laughs> a callback to, do y'all remember that car chase scene in Black Panther after they leave the casino? And uh, T'Challa, R.I.P. Chadwick, was about to kill Claw, but Nokia and uh, Okoye stop and remind him that the world is actually watching. When he looks around, he sees everybody has their cell phones out, they're recording. You know, our culture today, all this is happening. Same situation with Fake Cap in Madripoor. If you're wondering how this is going to play out, you're not the only one uh, that's wondering this. Let me actually throw it over to Kurt, who has the Marvel What Now podcast that he does with his co-host Peyton. They've got a great question to ask. Hey, Kendrick, this is Kurt from the Marvel What Now podcast. Big fan. Peyton and I were wondering what you think the reaction to the Walker footage will be. Uh, Do you think the government will condemn John Walker or do you think they'll spin it and make him look like a hero? That's a fantastic question. And it's one that I'm sure not just me, but everyone listening to this was probably wondering, see my initial thoughts were you could see that like Bucky and Sam are directly behind him as this is happening. So I can't imagine they're just gonna, I don't know. I mean, I guess they could give it back to Sam and, you know, make the, <laughs> let me stop. I was about to take this in a whole nother direction. Let me not do that. I can see them giving it back to Sam and, you know, basically saying, save us, be a good image, be a great Captain America. But I'm wondering if, since they can actually be seen in all this footage that's going to be circulating around the world, I'm wondering if they're going to try to manipulate it somehow and make it seem like they were manipulating the new Captain America or, you know, basically make them out to be the bad guys and still try to save John Walker's reputation. I don't know. I'm interested to see it, though. This is a fantastic episode. Man, oh, man. I hate that we always have to wait another week for an episode. Damn it. Man, this was good. I'm hoping. Do y'all think we're done with the uh, the cameos? We've gotten Sharon in now. We've gotten Adora Milaje. I don't think they'll be back on the fifth and sixth episode, unfortunately. But I'm wondering. My thing is, I'm hoping next week we at least get a post credit scene. You know, Marvel fans, that's what we live for. I'm ready for a good post credit scene. We haven't had one for this series yet. I need it. I need to get hyped up for the finale. You know, the finale is in two weeks, I believe. So, oh, Lord, I'm just going to let me uh continue watching Zemo dancing on the loop on my TV. Get out of here. Everybody go read you some comics. <laughs> read you a few comics figure out what's going on. You know what? Read uh the truth, red, white and black. Get y'all a little background on uh on uh Isaiah Bradley and you know, get a little background on this show and what direction it might go in, all that kind of stuff. And you know what? I'll talk to you next week. See ya. As always, thanks for listening. Want to support me for free? Just head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Podchaser or CastBox and leave me a five-star rating and review. Need to contact me? Just email me, housewivesmarvelpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram for hilarious memes and all kinds of updates regarding the podcast. That's at housewivesmarvelpodcast. This is Kendrick, and I'll see ya!
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Real growers use True North Equipment, the premier provider of John Deere products and services. Schedule your post-harvest equipment inspection today so your equipment is prepared for go time. True North Equipment is offering no payments, no interest financing on inspections, parts, and services until November 2023. Minimum $200 purchase for inspections of tractors, combines, seating, hay, and windrowers, and spraying. Schedule today on the My True North customer portal at truenorthequipment.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.